Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Kevin De Bruyne injured. Gundogan Mares gone. Missing out on top target Declan Rice, pivoting from Paqueta to Nunes. It's all going on in the blue side of Manchester. It's most definitely a period of uncertainty and change in that midfield. But could the news that Bernardo Silva is staying be pivotal to the success of the treble winners this season? And is Phil Foden ready to step up and become the heartbeat of Pep Guardiola's Manchester City? I'm Iowa Kimolere. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. To be here until now meant trophies, meant winning a lot. And uh, I like to win. All right, so here for this one, we have our senior football writer, Oli Kay, and also Manchester football writer, Mark Critchley. Our Manchester City man, Sam Lee, will also be dropping in with a little voice note a little later on as well. Right, let's start with this one. Bernardo Silva, the Portuguese magical, the magician. New contract, signed a one-year extension through to 2026. We'll start with you on this, Mark. How important is he to this Manchester City squad? Hugely important uh, in two words. Look, I like it's... uh, That's been outlined every single summer that we've had this this is another summer where it's another will he won't he is he staying is he going we think he wants to go oh actually he's going to stay and then by the end of it he's still here I think the difference this time is that he signed an extension a one year extension taking him up to 2026 Um, it's the first time that he signed new terms at City since 2019 Um, and it's basically since 2019 that that question's always been there Um, but it was particularly acute this summer I think because um depending on what Bernardo wanted to do, almost kind of dictated what City had to do in the market. Um, he was so important to central really to their plans this summer because they've lost Ilkay Gundogan. Well, he can play there in the centre. They lost Riyad Mahrez. Well, he can play there on the wing as well. And so if he'd also, if they'd also lost him, that is suddenly maybe not one, but two positions that you have to fill when they're already scrambling around for midfielders. So look, um, yeah, it's it's... It's, it's only a year extension on what his terms were previously. Um, and I think that kind of indicates everything we know about his desire to one day, you know, get himself out of rainy Manchester and play elsewhere somewhere a bit sunnier. Um, but he's, he, he, look, he's, he, he's staying put and he's turned down offers again. He had a, he had quite a large offer. Well, there are always large offers from Saudi Arabia, but certainly it's a substantial one that he could have taken up, but he decided not to. Um, Paris Saint-Germain have been interested this summer, last summer as well. I think Barcelona has always been the, his preferred destination, um, but who knows when they'll be able to, you know, <laughs> register him, let alone get the funds together to actually make a transfer. So, um, yeah, uh, there's look, there's there's talk that there's a release clause in this contract. City aren't commenting on that, and I think if you read Sam Lee's piece from yesterday on the Athletic, he makes an excellent point in there 
that if there is a release clause uh, and it's said to be around 45 million, then actually not many top European clubs have, have paid that um, mm, this over summer. the last few years because of mm. COVID. Yeah, even the last few because since the pandemic, basically. So, um, so yeah, look, it's an extra year on the books. Um, it's some of Bernardo's prime years. Um, <laughs> and look, if we get to the point where we, maybe it gets the next summer and we have this debate again, but who's to say there won't be another U-turn and we're back to <laughs> staying again. It seems to happen every year, but now... Given that there's there's a signature on on a piece of paper, it's a little bit more secure for City now. Yeah, Oli, I was, um, Mark was just saying, uh, you know, the importance of maintaining, you know, Bernardo Silva at the club. And in, in a previous podcast, talking about City, we're talking about football IQ, right? And and players who've got this incredible football IQ. I, I, I look back to last season, especially top end of last season, actually, uh, when City drew three three with Newcastle away at. St. James's Park, Bernardo Silva makes a beautiful assist, a good one, and then ends up scoring the equaliser as well, which shows just the versatility of this man. And then you look at pivotal goals against Bayern Munich, headers, a header against Bayern Munich. You look at, you know, the goal against Real Madrid. Considering the outgoings, City really couldn't afford to let someone with this kind of football like you go, especially now as they're sort of in this weird rebuilding phase of their midfield. Yeah, and especially having lost Gundogan, who's, who's you know, another extreme football IQ kind of player. I mean, De Bruyne is, is out for the next few months as well. So it, it's it's a it's it's a new look city uh, city in midfield in particular. But it's it's yeah he he is um, I think he's absolutely outstanding. I think if you look the six seasons he's been, you know, there haven't been many players who've been as influential in the Premier League as as he has, and you know. Often it will be De Bruyne or, or, or it will be Haaland uh, last season getting all applauded. But Bernardo is one of those, one of num- a number of players they have that really make it tick. And he makes it tick in different positions, in different systems. He's probably the most adaptable player they've had. They, he, there was even a game where he played at wing-back, wasn't there? And it was, yeah, played um, left-back, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, it was, and it was, no, he, he, he's, he's an extreme talent and an extreme personality as well he's, he's a great character I'm sure he has wanted to leave in at some point in the past three summers but he's never kicked up a stink at all remotely he's not you know done some of the really impetuous or unprofessional things that players are often told they have to do in order to get a move and look he hasn't got a move maybe he would have got a move if um, if he'd done some of those things who knows but it's he, he has shown his professionalism and dedication you know, start of last season, we ran a story actually saying that he'd he decided he was going to stay after all. And I, th- I thought at that point, well, that just makes me look at Man City completely differently. That you know, I already had them as favourites, but now I have them as really firm favourites. Yeah, I'm um, just think about this, Mark. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't really pushed to leave. I mean, the the opportunity has been there to leave in many respects. In the way City are right now, and we're talking about the restructuring of of this midfield. And also the outgoings as well, and you know, the Bruyne's not getting any any younger. I mean, this could really be a good opportunity for Bernardo Silva to say, "Look, I'm I'm your number one. You need me on this team. Like, stay. You know, give it a couple more seasons before I really do make that call." Yeah, look, I, we've just been talking about his importance, and I don't think that can really be underestimated. So even if he was to knock on Guardiola's door and, and say exactly what you're saying there, look, he'd say to him, "Well." I I need you. You're, he's, they've they've needed him. That's why they've made such a big play this summer to to make sure that he stays. I mean, 
just thinking about what you can do. I mean, he, he can, like, like I said before, you can play centrally, you can play on the right. There was a time when it's not so much a problem now that they have Haaland, but he was, he was playing up front false nine. Um, in terms of that kind of close control that Guardiola wants, that dribbling ability that he loves, he's basically unparalleled in that. Like, personally, when Bernardo Silva is on it and on the ball, there's there's few better players to watch in the Premier League, in my opinion, over the last few years. Um, but he he also marries that with everything that he does off the ball. I think people might remember the um, the game against Liverpool back in the eighteen nineteen season, the one that did it cross the line. Well, he didn't cross the line, but the one the Sane goal and the the John Stones clearance mm-hmm. just at the turn of the year, City won one nil um, or two one. Sorry. Um, if people remember that Bernardo in that game, I think he ran like eight and a half miles, which was a Premier League record. He was everywhere and that's on and off the ball. So he is almost like Guardiola always is looking for players, I think, who have um, universal skill sets. You know, it's part of the fact that that's why John Stones can go into midfield. It's why um, whoever's playing up front can drop in and, and, and link up with the other players. He wants somebody who's got the full package and, I don't think there's really a better example of, a, of an all-rounder, if you like, than, than Bernardo Silva. So he's always been fundamental to what Guardiola does. Look, we'll maybe come on to De Bruyne. I don't think he's quite a replacement for De, for De Bruyne because I don't think there really is a pl- replacement for De Bruyne in the squad, maybe in maybe in world football, given what he does. But the, the onus will be on Bernardo Silva to pick up the slack in De Bruyne's absence over the next few months, along with other players in the team. And that he's a, he's a guy that they've always been able to trust to be able to do that. Hello, listeners. If you're someone who is just too busy for a regular length podcast in the morning, we have something for you. The Daily Football Briefing brings you bang up to date with the biggest football stories in just over 10 minutes. Whether it's David Ornstein on the latest big signing or Matt Slater on a takeover saga that won't go away, we'll bring you right up to speed all before you've finished your first coffee of the day. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all the usual platforms and make sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Io Akimolera. Well, we've discussed Bernardo Silva's new deal and his importance to the team. How can Man City get to grips with the injury to Kevin De Bruyne? And also, does the Belgian's injury present Phil Foden with a chance to finally flourish in that central role? 
Here's the Athletics Manchester City writer Sam Lee to tell us how Foden's opportunity has come around. So Phil Foden going into a more central midfield role is long overdue, really, considering he came through the Manchester City Academy in that position and everybody always talked about him as the next David Silva. It's happened now for well for two reasons, really. It was planned at the end of last season that he would actually move into a more central role rather than on the wing. But also De Bruyne's injury. It's funny because, like I say, Foden did play in midfield all the way through his academy career and everyone, including Guardiola, said he'd be the next David Silva. But he doesn't play like David Silva. Okay, like He is obviously very silky and he does play in the pockets. Roger said recently that he's the best player in the team at playing in those pockets, getting the ball in space, turning. But he is more direct like De Bruyne. He carries the ball. He likes to force the issue. And because Guardiola likes to have that balance, he's not played De Bruyne and Foden together in midfield because they would both, to kind of put it in layman's terms, be pushing forward too much and leaving too much space behind them, opening up Rodri to counter-attacks. And in a team skip past Rodri, they're in on the defence and City have got problems. At the end of last season, the way that Guardiola had found that balance, it was difficult to get Foden in. And if you look back at games like RB Leipzig away from home when they didn't make any substitutes, everybody at home thinking they needed the spark and Guardiola didn't want to do it, partly is because they didn't want to concede counter-attacks. And if you bring on Foden, because his tendency is to to push forward and make things happen. Guardiola's not necessarily right, but this is how he sees it. He's kind of worried that that would lead to counter-attacks. And it's been this kind of process where Ferdinand's had to learn slowly, and that's why over the years he's been used on the wing. And that kind of ties into why it's been such a long time coming that Foden has actually moved into midfield. If you think about how Bernardo and David Silva and Gundogan used the ball and lots of defensive work, short passes, basically picking the right option every single time. Foden has got fantastic qualities in his own right and that's why it's so exciting to see him develop there but at a different kind of stage of his career much younger different type of player it's just been a process to build him up to what Guardiola wants and I spoke to Foden during pre-season and I asked what Guardiola wants from him in midfield and he says a lot of defensive work and then Guardiola in a press conference a couple of weeks later said he wants to see a lot of defensive work so that's kind of why It's only until now that we've seen Phil Foden, who came through the academy as a midfielder, playing as a midfielder. But he was so good against Newcastle, and although he's had loads of good games, he's been such a huge part of the City team that's won trophies over the past few years. He scored a hat-trick in a Manchester derby. You know, he scored winners in Champions League games. He's done so many good things, but I think the Newcastle game was probably his best game for City because it was the first time he's ever run the show. And you think about the way that De Bruyne does it all the time, that's probably something that Foden needs to add to his game. But so early in this new season, we've seen it, and that is why it's so exciting to see him in midfield. But it's also why it's been a long time coming. Ollie, in the same way as we, we talk about Bernardo Silva now potentially maybe get more of a run in the team because of certain uh, injuries and also absentees, it's now time for Phil Foden to lament himself as a, as, as a Manchester City player, considering many will feel he didn't get much game time last season. Yeah, I mean, he, he was playing brilliantly in the first, um, the first, the early part of the season. And you remember, I mean, the, the Manchester derby being the, the classic example of that, but but not not the only one. Um, he he was he was in brilliant form, went to the World Cup, and he didn't see. He was one of the one of the few players, really, who I thought really kind of tailed off a bit after after the World Cup. And you know, as City came, it was really went through the gears as the season went on. I mean, he, he sort of became a bit more marginal, partly for the reasons that that Sam explained there. Partly, I I just didn't think he, I I thought he looked a bit tired um, at times when he was. Um, 
when he was coming on and when he was when he was uh, you know when he was starting games, he, didn't, he wasn't having the same impact. Um, and at the same time, you know, Jack Grealish was having more of an impact as the season went on, and, and, and so on. So um, he's firmly established as a Manchester City player, but he, he's always been one of those who's been sort of rotated in and out. It feels like it's been building towards a point where he would play more regularly and in that more sort of central deeper position I, th- I think that's that's where most of us imagined he would be by now um when Guardiola was integrating into the team you say well you know not yet not yet this is going to take a bit of time and you know he, he's only 23 now but he's he's played a, a, lot, a lot of games and you would have imagined he would be in that stage now he's he's, he's played there here and there he's played you know Champions League group games and come on as sub in various games and Carabao Cup games, etc. You know the odd Premier League game, but he's, he doesn't really seem to be trusted there yet. And it's the same with England. He's played he's played a few games there. Um, I I don't feel he's anything like it at the peak of his powers yet. Sometimes sometimes players are when they're twenty two, twenty three. I feel like he's still got way more p- potential to fulfil. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. I think he's unbelievably exciting and. Um, and I, I think, you know, from an from a English point of view, I, I really want to see him develop as that as a, as a sort of central midfield, that sort of Iniesta-type role, um, the sort of Guardiola era, David Silva. Um, it, it's very exciting, but the thought of him doing that, because I just don't think England have got that kind of player. Yeah, Mark, I was just, just picking up on what Ali just said. Um, this is also a fascinating one, because if you look at the likes of Steven Gerrard, uh, Marcus Rashford, you've got that moment in their careers where they go from local hero, you know, boy done good to team talisman. It feels like that's the kind of jump that Foden needs to make right now, right? Like, it's not that this is a do or die season necessarily, but you want to see more of what he's built of. And Guardiola obviously would want to see more of what he's built of this season to go from, you know, the little tricks and flicks, which we know he does have, to now being the guy that's driving Manchester City forward for wins. Yeah, look, I think um, City fans will absolutely see him as their equivalent of both those players that you've just mentioned. Um, the the thing is that, like, it's it's just about opportunity and playing regularly and playing in a position that gets the absolute best out of you now I think actually you know when he when he lost his place last season there was there was a few reasons for that I think he, he had an appendicitis at one point he had a bit of an ankle injury there's the whole thing you know we've talked about it so much about Guardiola wanting faster players slower players so there was there was all those reasons for it um but like it's about finding a role that suits him where he can be both really influential and at the same time everything that Sam and Ollie have mentioned about his about him out of possession where those kind of weaknesses if you like are accounted for and I think that's what City really actually um, did really well against Newcastle you know he we're talking about him playing centrally here he actually you know you look at it on a piece of paper he wasn't playing centrally he was playing on the right wing but um, like being sat there was like during the game next to the touchline, City basically didn't have a right winger. They had Kyle Walker moving all the way up and down that side, using his pace to to cover the whole flank. And Foden was just drifting in, drifting in, drifting in. And it makes his game like more unpredictable. I think it suits his game in that he's all those little things we're talking about him on the half turn. He's so good on the half turn, tight spaces. He's brilliant in those. He's not Kevin De Bruyne. He's not going to ping a 60-yard ball that sets someone free. He's not going to like 
play a pass that looks like it's on some completely different astral plane, like like De Bruyne does sometimes. But he is really good in those little tight spaces, and I think that position really brought the best out of him in that. And so, yeah, look, I think that's perhaps a bit of a blueprint going forward for him um, if it's the best way into the team. And that's that's if he play if he gets to play that position more regularly this season, then yeah, absolutely, he'll emulate those players that you mentioned right there at those other clubs. Yeah, um, I, makes me then think about City's depth. I remember the last podcast we we, we spoke with Ned and Manu, and I was like, "Well, see, you've got two starting 11s. And we were just joking about that, obviously. Um, Ned took it quite personally, but real talk, <laughs> you know, you, you you look at City's depth, and you know, especially in central midfield. Anyway, they're only sitting in options to Rodri, Kovacic, uh, Calvin Phillips, and, and Foden at this point. I mean, the the the, the, the window's closing. They need some reinforcements there. Yeah, no, look, I think um, the midfield's been undersubscribed all summer and that was the case even towards the end of last season and it was always going to be a priority even if nobody had left. Um, so you lose Gundogan, yes, you gain Kovacic, but you've still got work to do. I think it was interesting during the pre-season tour, Rodri, who is absolutely exceptional, I think Ed is, by consensus is probably the best holding midfielder in Europe at the minute. During the pre-season tour, he gave an interview where he said he'd spoke to the club just about how many games he was playing last season. Um, I think it was up to 60. I think it was more minutes than Edison in the end. It's an insane amount of minutes. And he'd, he'd actually told the club that he, he, he the word he used was unhealthy. Um, and if you get to that point where you can't bring, um, you know, you don't have that cover for him, then it becomes a problem. And, you know, partly that's on the failure of the Calvin Phillips deal, which I don't think anyone really expected this time last year, but safe to say now just hasn't worked out. You can't get a look in, even when the, the club are shopping around for central midfielders. He's, he's, he's not appeared off the bench this season. Um, so there's an issue there. And look, City are now in a position where, yeah, we've got, what, a week left of the window, I think, I, <laughs> I hope. Um, and they're having to do business quickly and they're having to look for quick deals. Um, doesn't mean that they aren't quality players. Obviously, there's this interest in Matthias Nunes from, mm. from Wolves. Um, I imagine that's a bit of a quicker deal to be able to get over the line than one of their other targets, Aberi Eza at Crystal Palace. Um, so there's a logic there, but time is running out and it's pretty unusual for City to be in this position. We're used to them having the resources and having the expertise that they need to get things over the line. But it's been a bit of a different summer in that respect with players leaving that they might not expect, Saudi Arabia interest, um, you know, only Bernardo, again, only knowing as of yesterday that he's definitely staying for this summer, I guess. I mean, there's been that sense for a while, but only getting his signature on that dotted line yesterday, that has influenced things as well. So, it's an unusual position for City to be in, but I, I still think it's one that they'll they'll end up coming out on the right side of it by the end of the by the end of the window. Yeah, I just want to follow up on that, um, Ollie. Um, what Mark just said in terms of this is unusual for City. We're used to them getting their business done pre-season. Players bedded in. Everyone knows what Guardiola wants to do. They come into the season, try and figure it out. But fundamentally, they usually have a, a relatively full season. Is this a sign of the emerging market, uh, of the football landscape that has changed this for City, um, or I- is there another reason? I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to sort of pick holes here because obviously, you know, they've, they've got an okay squad. They're depleted, but they've got an okay squad. But we're so used to City being almost ready to go at the beginning of the season. This is so different. Yeah, I think it's I think it's more than an okay squad to be honest. But it's um, <laughs> it's um, 
Uh, I just don't want to get any more City fans coming at me going, oh, we could do more. I'm like, look, I've just got to be impartial here, right? Let's go for it. Let's go for impartiality. Uh, If you you say Man City have got uh, slight weaknesses in their squad, Man City fans hammer you. If if you exaggerate their squad depth the way some people do and and this myth of them having two world-class 11s, they hand me for that as well. So it, 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 that's, that's, just, that's just occupational hazard. Um, it's a difficult one because I think they do generally work with a much smaller squad than than people people think. If you look at if you look at the the I mean, particularly two seasons ago. Two seasons ago, I thought they were really at their limits and really really stretched. And I think if um, I think it was a real triumph of, of Guardiola and the players to get through that squad and win that win that league title when it when it looked like it might just sort of. Uh, drift away from them because because they were you know they were they were looked like they were running on fumes almost by the end and um, you know the, the, those final few weeks the West Ham game the the, the Villa game it, it was it was really difficult and obviously they they strengthened in a few areas last season not just Haaland but, but you know strengthening around around the edges as well Phillips didn't particularly work Gomez didn't particularly work but you know it, it's it's more depth it's more bodies and it's um, and so on but it, it's they do. They do like to work with a smaller squad. And I, I feel like the the fact that the the Bernardo situation has kind of been a bit willy wonty, uh, the Mores departure, the De Bruyne injury, the Walker sort of. I mean, it looks like Walker's going to stay, but it, it's um, you know, th- there's been a lot of uncertainty, and I think you know, some of that's Saudi related, some of it's more predictable, but it's it does feel like it's been a a strange summer in that regard, and and. It feels like City and a few other clubs, to be honest. I mean, Manchester United, Liverpool as well, just seem to be sort of having done their early business. Seem to be thinking, well, actually, have uh, have we done enough? Have we have we have we got really what we wanted? Um, I think City are in the position where, particularly after the, um, I'm not going to go into the commercial contracts or anything like that, um, but but you know that they've got this enormous income much of it last season from Champions League prize money and so on. Um, and, you know, they, they can afford to, 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 to make another sort of 50, 60 million pound signing or two in the, in the, in the final weeks. And, and Matias Nunes and Paqueta, who they were looking at, um, they're players who were signed last summer for, for big money by Premier League clubs. Haven't particularly, I mean, Paqueta particularly improved as the season go went on but it weren't like outstanding they didn't perhaps live up to the expectations that people had when they arrived and yet they you know you could imagine either of those two players going to City maybe not Pogata now but um, and absolutely tearing up and, 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 and looking like Guardiola players not necessarily straight away but but settling in and and, and thriving and developing and, under under him because that's that's generally what most players they sign do Hello there, James Richardson here. I'm back to host the Totally Football Show three times a week this season. The show is going to be featuring all your Totally favourites like James Horncastle, Daniel Storey, Carl Anker, Duncan Alexander and many more bringing you all the footballing insight you need. Listen to the Totally Football Show for free wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to check out video versions of the show over on our YouTube channel.
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to The Athletic Football Podcast with Ayo Akinwalere. Just a quick one on this one, Mark, because I, I just sort of look at it from a humanist level, right? You've got someone like Kyle Walker and... I think he's staying from what we understand. He was looking to go to Bayern Munich. You know, you sit here in a very interesting position, really, because even with Bernardo Silva, he, he's been there for a while now. So has Carl Walker. Well, much earlier than Bernardo Silva. And they've won everything. <laughs> like, they've literally won everything. So, you, you know, you can't excuse them for wanting to apply their trail elsewhere for a, a new experience. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was um, pretty evident after the Champions League final, just in the way that some of the players were speaking um, when what is what's that quote like when Alexander the Great cried salt tears because there was no more earth left to conquer something like, mm. that's a Sid Waddell thing <laughs> yeah no it's it's true and I think um, that's that's always been a huge challenge at City is trying to motivate players for the next challenge because the next challenge is often invariably the same one that they've just done. Yes, they had the Champions League before that. It was always kind of like the Holy Grail, if you like, that they were still left to go. But how do you get up for another Premier League season when you've just won five of the last six or whatever? Um, it's always been something that Guardiola's talked about. And I think it's that's a standard that he set. He's always said, you know, he needs that hunger. And you remember there was that uh, case midway through the season when they beat Tottenham at home, having come from behind in January. And he, he, he uses a, a pretty little flower speech or something along those lines. I want a reaction. I want a reaction for all the club, all organization, not just the players, the staff and everyone. Happy flowers, team. Happy flowers, organization. Ah, it's good, good. No, I don't want to be a happy flower. He was challenging them to show the same hunger and desire that they'd, they'd shown in previous seasons. And if he doesn't feel it's there, he will more than happily move them on. Um, it was only a, shortly after that that you saw Jao Cancelo came out the door. Now, there was there was more to that situation, but but it was very much a case of um, you know if you don't want to be here, you can go. But I think that you know he'll only be happy to to see that players like Bernardo, who 
take on leadership roles in the dressing room. Players like Kyle Walker now look likely to to stay, having had their little dalliances. And um, I'm sure they'll go again and they'll be just as strong as ever. Jeremy Doku, let's talk about him. Um, looks imminent. Hopefully, replacement to Riyad Mahrez. I've I've done the YouTube searches. He's pretty good, isn't he? He's he's got some skills to pay the bills, as they say. I, we were just saying before the uh, the podcast. It reminds me of Sam Maximan at Newcastle, but with just a bit more impetus and a bit more finesse and a, a bit more of a finished product. Mark naturally said, "Yeah, he'll come to City, and Guardiola will strike that right out of him. <laughs> he won't, <laughs> won't see any of that." But Ollie. This is a, a, a an exciting signing for for Manchester City, considering Mares, their their big sort of dribbler, their big baller, um, left off to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, really exciting, and you know he is a really exciting player. I don't know how much people have seen of him, and they might remember his, you know, even if they didn't see much of him in France, they might remember his sort of cameos for Belgium in the World Cup when he was one of the few players in that Belgian team that that really seemed. Um, Anywhere, any, anywhere near being at the races, he's—he's. He's, I mean, he's an extreme dribbler. I don't know if you—if you, I mean, in terms of quality, but also the, the number of dribbles he does. He's—he's. He's, if you look at the the charts about dribbling, you know, beating opponents in European football, top five leagues, or whatever. There's sort of everybody else, and then there's Doku way up in the uh, way up in the top right hand corner. He's a real dribbler, incredibly fast, direct, skillful. Nearly all the nearly all the dribbles you see on YouTube are of him on the counter-attack and and dribbling in, into space and running at people and you know building up that momentum. And you think of City and a lot of the time they're camped in the opposition half and they're playing in sort of 40 yards of the pitch, 50 yards of the pitch. And um, there isn't really that space to do, you know, Mares was more of a kind of, you know, a quick turn inside rather than, rather than somebody who would dribble at 50 yards. Um, so I, I, I think he... You know, he's clearly signed, being signed to do something different, give City something they've they've not had, sort of more than Mar- more more than Mares gave them, I, I would say. But I'm sure that, as as Mark said, he will he will be, um, you know, he will be in some way made more efficient, made more schooled in the Guardiola way of football. You're trying to say. <laughs> It's as if you're saying it's as if you're saying that you take your spontaneity out because that's you know, that, that that feels a little bit like what it's been with with Grealish and a little bit like what it's been with Morris. And it's it's really surprising to say that because I see him as the manager who sort of indulges creative football more than anybody more than anyone else in in world football, and yet he doesn't like. Individuality in in the sense in the sense of people just doing things to look good or or, or, or to feel good or, or whatever he wants them always to be making the right choices and I guess that that will take time it's taken time with Greenwich who I still don't think is up where people expected and wanted him to be um, but I think um, yeah I, I think Guardiola will want another level from him in terms of understanding the game and being more decisive as well in in the opposition penalty area. And he'll want that from Doku as well. Yeah, Mark, you keep nodding there. And it, regardless of the joke of obviously he might not be the same flair we play under Guardiola, one thing you can say about Guardiola is that he does make players way more efficient. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think it's about um, <laughs> conforming to a system. Like, but, and yeah, he'll he'll go through that cookie cutter, he'll go through that meat grinder, whatever. Like, <laughs> he will become a Guardiola player. 
but there's a reason why they've gone for him and not another guy who already can do those things a bit better. One thing that Guardiola always asks, like I remember him saying this in the past, he's on the record, he said the first question he asks when they try to any the club come to him with a player is, can they dribble? Well, you know, this guy can dribble, right? And that might not always express itself within the football. So you'll often see, look, Grealish. Now, the one thing I associate with Grealish is him standing up a defender, looking like he's going to take him on and then just drawing back and passing back to Rodri or the centre-back or passing inside. It's what he does now. That's the football. It's the way Guardiola wants to play a lot of the time. But in particular moments in a game, they will come alive. When there's that space there, when there's that opportunity, when there's not a risk on the other side of the ball. So I think from that perspective, Doku fits that. And again, like it's about it's about plan Bs, isn't it? And, and City don't really do plan Bs. They don't often need to do plan Bs because plan A works so well. But it does give you that something a little bit different. So look, I, I expect that he will be kind of broken and moulded in the same way that other wingers have been in the past. But at the same time, he has some really outstanding natural abilities that are ultimately what has persuaded the club and Guardiola to go for him. Yeah, before we wrap up the pub, I just want a quick one on on, on Pep Guardiola, who's now going to be missing a few games due to back surgery. Um, I think he's obviously missing the next two, at least against Sheffield United away and also Fulham at home. Oli, every other team in the Premier League is probably going, thank God, we've got a chance. <laughs> we might have a little chance. The way City operate, yeah. Is this going to make a massive difference? Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, I, I, I think there are, you know, if you, see, you know, I think there are teams which rely incredibly on what their manager brings them on the touchline, and he is very much one of those hyperactive guys on the touchline. But I think what he does more than anything is the way he drills that team day in day out on the training ground, and the way he's, you know, not just not just that day's training session, but the things he's instilled in them all over time and, and the, the hunger that he's put in them. So look, if there is if there is a drop-off, I think it would be quite, re- over the next two games, um, I think it would be quite reasonable to assume that Guardiola's absence might have been a factor. Um, but I think those those habits, those good habits are, are very well, um, very well established within within each individual and within and within the team. And yeah, Juanma Leo, he, he's not exactly um supply teacher. He's he's um he's a guy who's who's worked with Guardiola on and off for years, knows the way he, he works, knows the way he thinks, um, could probably I mean, who knows whether Guardiola will be on the line from from home um directing substitutions and so on, but you know, probably will be, but I'm sure he's, you know, Leo is, is one of those guys that could run the shop um, pretty effectively. So I, I yeah, particularly look at the, look at the fixtures they've got, which are not necessarily the most demanding. I, I, I'm not expecting a big drop off. Yeah, you look, you look at, you know, back in the Mancini days, and you look at Manchester City now, uh, Mark. City were going through an interesting dynamic there, where they were winning games, but the identity was very different to the one we have right now you feel especially with Guardiola that continuous drilling in of philosophy identity that's done before they even make it out on the field even in the change room just before they, they, they've walked out and you you sort of feel like whatever happens on the on the pitch is a manifestation of all this wonderful work that's been done in the background 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, been been there since 2016. Uh, everything that Ollie just said, I hadn't actually considered just how much he micromanages games and how, like, yeah, they will lose that. I can't see Juan Marlillo like <laughs> running around on the edge of his technical area, falling to the ground in exasperation every time there's a counter attack or whatever. So that that will be missed certainly. But Look, um, yeah, teams. We've we've seen this before with teams. I think, like you, you remember Phil Thompson filling in for Gerard Houllier five or six months. I think the results were pretty good then. Um, I think Fergie missed like games to attend his son's wedding and like. Yeah, that's right. A Manchester derby, in fact. Right. Yeah, see. So yeah, derby. and um, I, I I don't know what the particular is. I think he scouted David De Gea and one. He just decided to bin off been off the League Cup at Scunthorpe and go and watch David De Gea and it turned out all right in the end, I guess. So, yeah. look, managers do it. Um, yeah, like I, I think City will be absolutely fine, to be honest. I'm just I'm just jealous of Pep because he gets to be take a load of sedatives and miss the last week of the transfer window. You know, I wish I, wish I could do that instead. <laughs> but um, no, no, I, they'll be absolutely fine. They'll be absolutely fine, I'm sure about that. Yeah, I'm not going to discount Pep Guardiola being on the blower, talking and Telling them to get Foden on, get telling them to get Bernardo Silva on. That's not how we speak. So I think we'll end the pod right there. Mark, Ollie, thanks so much. And also for more on Bernardo Silva's new deal and what it means for Manchester City, head to The Athletic. You can sign up today for just one ninety nine a month for an entire year at theathletic.com forward slash football pod. Thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to The Athletic Football Podcast. The producers were Adonis Pratsides and Guy Clark, with additional production by Mike Stavro and Jay Beal. The executive producer was A.D. Moorhead. To listen to other great athletic football podcasts for free, search for The Athletic on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places and head to theathletic.com slash football pod for the very latest subscription offers. The Athletic Football Podcast is an athletic media company production. The Athletic.